Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Uh, Friday upon us. Kelly Kirsch right here for you. 60 minutes on ice. It is Hockey Central at noon. Thanks so much for uh, tuning us in today. A busy show. Eric Francis Friday's coming up at 1230. Our spiciest moment of the weekend. It's a gooder. It's coming up just before 1 o'clock. But uh, let's kick off the show and talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It's Friday. Mailbag coming up as well, Peter. So we have a, a busy, busy show today. And I, I'm going uh, to go off script for my, nice. for my first question. I like question, it when we do that. My first question. I was thinking about this. So the Stanley Cup is going to be awarded in Edmonton this season. In fact, mm-hmm. normally they have to, you know, truck it around because it's, it could be at a, any arena. could be as early as Saturday. It might take longer. I think it's going to take longer. Um, my question, and I want to get an answer from our, our panel here. we got Logan, Peter Klein, and we'll get uh, Lou first. With Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and uh, a ferocious fan base at Edmonton, are they ever, I shouldn't say ever, is that Stanley Cup going to get awarded in Edmonton or to Edmonton in the next 10 years? What do you say, Lou? Well, I would say this. I think they have incredible talent, two of the most premier people in the National Hockey League. And now I think it's not only surrounding those two guys, with the right assets and tools, understanding that when you spend a lot of money on people in a cap that, Kelly, I think you would probably agree, I don't think the cap's moving at all probably for five years. I really, and if it does, it's going to be so incrementally small, it won't make much of a difference. Um, But what we're going to find out, I think, about both Connor and Leon Dreisaitl is now not only their ability to individually be great talents, but as they grow and mature, and remember they're both young people, now how do they grow and emerge as leaders? And I think that is something that doesn't get talked about enough. I think there's aspects of both of their games um, that need to grow, continue to grow, and I going to get in trouble again and i want when i if i ever get back to edmonton i'm going to go in with uh some armor because i know there's going to be a couple of media guys for some of the things that i've said recently that are going to come at me full bore but i'm going to be ready to answer the challenge and that is this um dave tippett i think has done an outstanding job they've got a great gm who knows all about winning in ken holland so yeah I I think if they don't, that it will fall in some way, shape, or form, Kelly, on those two guys transforming and continuing to grow in being not only great, great, great talents, but also your ability to make others around you better. better. And at the point and at the times you have to do it the best, which is the playoffs, right? Yes. I mean, listen, um, people can talk about it any way they want, and it's not me taking low-hanging fruit because 
unlike a lot of others, I have spent a lot of time in that market as well as in the Calgary market. So, you know, I, I've had the ability to be in both places. And you're right, it is a, it's a voracious fan base up there. But I just think, you know, in a lot of cases, Kelly, and, and it's really hard to do, and I, I find in this day and age it's more difficult to do, is when people are incredibly talented and they're expected to lead the way, I find sometimes the narrative doesn't, to be honest, ask for more of those people. And more doesn't mean just the amount of points or the individual awards. It means... Dig in when it's hard. Well, did Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and some of Chicago's best people not do a better job of that in the series than Edmonton's best people? They did. That's a five versus 12. Now, here's what I would say in closing about Edmonton. I also think in life and in sports, there is a great tipping point. And that's no pun intended, considering who their head coach is. But I hope those guys, if you're a fan of the Oilers, I hope they are so mad and angry and disappointed with getting beat that the next time they don't let that happen again. Yeah. If you're in Calgary, you're A-OK with it. Let's be frank. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shameful joy. Peter Klein? Yeah. Do we ever see the Edmonton Oilers? It uh, doesn't even have to be in Edmonton, obviously. Uh, with those two guys, do they have what it takes while they still have them to uh, hoist the Stanley Cup? I don't think so. I, don't, I just don't think they, they have what it takes, and um, they're running out of time in some ways. What do you think? No, for sure. And if it doesn't happen in the next couple of years, you start to wonder about Connor McDavid's desire to stay with the Edmonton Oilers and what that could mean. I I think they do. I I just, you look at two guys who are going to be in the Hart Trophy conversation for the next decade, and I think they're starting to build a decent team around them. I I think they've got something with Kyler Yamamoto on that blue line. Um, Darnell Nurse is a force, and, and you also look at some of the other guys they're bringing up with guys like Evan Bouchard. So I think they're starting to build around them very well. And to Lou's point, there's a lot of just brain power in that organization with Dave Tippett and Ken Holland. Still a couple things that need to get sorted out. I Spending $3.2 million on Zach Cassian for the next four years isn't how I would want to live my life, but to each their own. Um, but I, I do think the age of these guys needs to be remembered. In getting ready for our conversation with Eric Dehatchik yesterday, he and a group of people at The Athletic had a piece on what a World Cup team would look like if we were having one in 2020, and Connor McDavid would still be on Team North America for the under-23 team. Yeah. That's how young that kid still is and how good he is that we are four years away from when we thought people's athletic prime was now it's like when you're nine years old but i i do think that the the youth of that team the brain power they have there and just how they're building around them i, I think they do eventually get to that point as frustrating as that would be uh down here in calgary logan what about you you see uh stanley cup in edmonton in the next five years or no Jeff? uh none I'd be hard pressed to, I think right now to imagine that they've got lots of, of holes to fill. And unfortunately, like we mentioned, you know, when you've got two guys that eat up, you know, a significant amount of your salary cap right now, it's a, 
a pretty you tough better proposition. Draft, you better draft good. You yeah. better have an awesome draft. Yeah, and while I, I certainly feel better about the leadership group and the management team there now with Ken Holland and, and Dave Tippett running things, I think that you know it's still going to be a bit of a process, and I'm sure that's not something Connor or Leon want to hear, but I, I still think they're a couple years away from you know developing a strong decor and you know guys around them that – are, you know, you, uh, let's be honest, you're going to have to have some guys on that team that have contributions at pretty low salary, and we know how hard those guys are to come by and how quickly they disappear from your organization when you don't have the cap space to pay them. So it's going to take a lot of juggling, and I just don't know that you can expect that to happen in a short period of time in Edmonton. Okay. Just wanted to bring so, that up. So, so for you two young guys, what's the narrative? Do you need more out of them in different ways, even if it means it it costs them? Well, it costs them, but maybe do they have to do it different, or are you guys completely buying into the it's not going to happen because there's not enough around them? I don't know what else they can do, Lou. Like what else? What else can you ask Connor and Leon to do when they're at you know? What else can you do? One and about, two in the in about, the scoring races. How about races? dig in in key situations and manage games and situations better when it's on the line? Yeah, that was uh... like like honestly. Honestly, I, I've been hearing for years how Jonathan Taves, including on our station a couple of times, how that guy's not in the top twenty-five of centermen in the league. Well, then how come you win that series? And who won that series in a lot of ways? Whose key players won that series in key moments? Yeah, the, their best players got after it when they needed to and when they needed uh, Leon. And, and, you know, Connor got his points, but there was times where you needed him on a, in, a, in a defensive situation, you, you know, and you saw it. Like the guys in Hockey Night in Canada showed it. It just... There was times where you know where, what what are you doing, right? And you just you just have to be focused. Otherwise, you're just you're not going to make it. It's a great debate, honestly. I love it. I love I love the conversation. I love the narrative. And the only reason I'm digging in is because right now I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet all over the place, where I don't want to give talent a free pass. I just don't. And, and to me, and I've said it a million times, it's not about, at least for me, winning scoring races and individual awards. It's about winning. That, to me, is what defines greatness. Now, can you do that without great players? No. Are those both great offensive talents? In Connor McDavid, I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody like him. But sometimes there needs to be more. And I bet you if Dave Tippett, if you got him in a room, or Todd McClellan, I'm going to guess I'm not completely swinging in a completely different strike zone. The, the only thing I, w- I would say to this, Peter, and, and PK, maybe you can balance out and kind of see where you are, is I think the, the thing I look at Edmonton and I say is those guys have to give so much to scoring offensively and doing everything in the offensive zone because nobody else nobody else does it. They have to if they're not going offensively, no one else on that team does it. So to ask them and I know I understand I'm with you. I feel like their you know game as a whole can certainly be better and they can certainly learn how to do the little things and the you know the extra things that help you win, but just as of right now, the way that roster's constructed, if they're not the ones doing it offensively and giving it everything in the offensive zone, 
nobody else is. They won't score at all on that team. So Kyler Yamamoto didn't come up and make a big impact? He did, but who else, Lou? Like, I mean, the, like, Ryan, I mean it's did, just did, the two Did Ryan Nugent Hopkins not more than hold up his end of the bargain? I don't know that he – I don't know that I would say that he's the the guy driving it. How many nights a, a year have they asked him to to do it and let Connor and Leon not have to worry about putting up multiple points? Well, if you're going to be two of the – Two of the best players in the league isn't that isn't that the responsibility that you get? I guess, but then how do we you know how do we balance what el- what everybody else contributes to the team? You know what I mean? Like how else? How much well, else can we of, throw of onto onto the two of them when you know they they've already got that pressure on their shoulders? And I and then look, it's not a you know a uh, a shot at, at them. I just think that it's. It's so hard right now because they've been relied on so heavily in in one area, and I think that that's not only on them, but it's sort of a team thing that you know everybody else needs to pick it up and and kind of wear that you know bat, wear that uh, workload too. Yeah, interesting stuff. I wanted to get to it. I knew it would be interesting for uh, the young guys and the older guys in the room to to have a chat about that. So I'm glad we did. And um, I have one more question. And it sort of has something to do with the mailbag. So let's do the mailbag first. Okay. Lou's Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Make your summer sizzle. Enjoy Ruth's primetime menu and dine on two courses for $49. Add an additional course or glass of house wine for $10. Ah, uh, Peter, I think it's kind of cruel we do this at lunchtime, hey, when you just, you just start... Your mouth oh. starts to water, and you start thinking about the steak coming there and the service. It's like, oh, sweet on. potato casserole. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you in all sincerity, and I don't need it right now. Trust me. But between the sweet potato casserole, either my favorite chicken dish over there, the incredible steaks, but every once in a while at night, I find myself craving that unbelievable de- banana dessert that they have yeah. over there. Okay. And how they make oh. that. It's, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. They're not going to tell you how they make it. No, and they're not going to, don't put the calories on the uh, no. menu. No, we don't but if you want to indulge and be served the right way and taken care of, you, we, we like consistency. Well, I've been lucky enough in the association and a bunch of our meetings to probably have gone to that restaurant, you know, probably a dozen times in the last couple of years. Looked out disappointed yet. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Patrick Tan, he's going to find out all about it because he has a $100 gift card to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And it's a, it's a neat question, so I'm going to ask Patrick's question but also referred to a great question we had earlier this morning uh, on the text line that made the guys really kind of sit up and think because it, it's, it's so awesome in its simplicity. So here's Patrick's question. Lou, if you were a GM, what do you value the most and why when it comes to the NHL draft? Uh, hockey IQ, uh, compete level, the skating and skills, long-term projection. What you know, you've watched a ton of prospects. What is it? Is it team specific? Is it position specific? What are what's the most important thing to you as you see these guys develop over the years, and also some of the guys who don't develop? Kelly, is it wrong to say all of the above? Is that is They're that the wrong answer? Right? They're all important. Um, you know, 
probably what I value now more than ever is the combination of compete. Hockey IQ is immense for me because it can allow you to do things that others can't, even sometimes when you don't have the talent. But I also really value work and and your ability to assess yourself, your own game, and and players, you know, who really show that they're willing to put in the work. The hardest thing for me to assess now, and I think the world has changed, guys, because you know, and and I've been talking to lots of hockey people this week in preparation for our upcoming mock draft, you know, to get some answers to those questions. And, you know, for for just about any NHL scout I've ever talked to, you know, hockey IQ and compete are right at the top of the list. Um, There's so many good players now. There's so little to separate them. And, you know, I think now in some ways more than ever to help separate is knowing the person and and understanding, you know, not just their hockey IQ, but kind of their whole commitment to the craft. And and if I was in a room, one of the things that I would do, and I do this in a lot of different areas, is I would actually quiz guys about their knowledge of the league, the league that they played in and the NHL. Because to me, that tells me, you know, it's just, that's a big determining factor. No, but, you know, our old friend Rob Kerr has a great line, and it's this. Is it, is it a workplace or is it a profession? And, yeah. and I really, you know, I'm a big all-in guy. Understanding that you can't, not everybody can be that, but... That's the best way I can answer that question. That that's uh, a great question, a great answer. And keep in mind, you can uh, you can participate with Lou's Mailbag. Just go to our uh, website, go to the old contest page, and who knows, next Friday, you could be off to Ruth Tris Steakhouse. And the other question, and I, you know, we're running out of time here, but I'm going to say it anyway because I just love the simplicity of it. Because we're we're talking about October 9th and free agency and goalies and defensemen and left shot, right shot, all this kind of stuff. When you pare it down, what Lou, what what is Brad Living's priority? He, he can only have one thing that he's got on the top of his whiteboard. What's the number one priority for him? What's his number one priority? Yeah, like is it goalie? Is it defense? Is it uh... no? It's 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 for me. I'm going to stay true to it. Um, this team still has you know room to grow, and I think they've taken some massive steps. I, I think one of the priorities for me would just be a reconstruction of your forward group. Okay. So forwards and finding somebody. Just, or just I, or... I do. I just, I think it's time, you know, the deal, ha- the deals have to be right, but especially in a five on five situation, Kelly, I think, I think there needs to be, I need, I think there needs to be some core tinkering based on there's been great growth in some of your players like Dubé and Mangiapane. I think at a certain point you've had a lot of time to evaluate what you can do and what you can't do. 
So I do. I, I think there needs to be some form of reconstruction. That would be at the top of my list. Understanding that, guess what? That's easy for me to say, and it's going to take not a draft, but it's going to take either free agent or more, more likely a deal to be made. And, and I said this, Peter and I had a great conversation, I thought, yesterday. Uh, I just, my gut says, don't be surprised if the Flames don't find themselves in another Carolina-type transaction again before the start of the next season. That's, that's, that's not based on anything I've really been told. Um, that's just someone who has assessed the situation. Um, you have your coach. You're now on the same page there with your staff. I, I do. I just I think some reconstruction needs to go on. And the great thing about Brad is, you know, two things. He's in on everything, and he sure as heck isn't afraid if the deal is there to be made. Yep, he'll do it. All right, that is the that's uh, Lou's mailbag. Lou's mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Now open Wednesday to Sunday at 5 p.m. Whether you're celebrating or just out for a night on the town, try Ruth's primetime menu and dine on two courses for $49. We didn't get to uh, Tampa, Dallas. Proceed tonight and tomorrow back to back games. And um, no Steve Stamkos. Well, that, that's maybe our last thing for, for you, Lou, before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. What an, and we spent a lot of time yesterday. What an incredible moment. You can't get much more done with three minutes than he did the other night. Uh, so gracious and unbelievable in his response. Um, I hope he can find another way to spend a few more minutes, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of sense that that might be a reach at this point. Okay. All right, we will uh, we'll talk to you on Monday, my friend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It is uh, busy around the Mighty Sportsnet 960, the fan. We have the uh, Jays clinching a playoff spot. You watched that, PK? You enjoyed that? Yeah, I was a pretty big fan of that one. Yeah, yep. got a nice phone call with uh, with my dad after the game was done. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. A little nerve-wracking when uh, Sanchez oh. let her rip and Gritchick got The it. words that were coming out of my mouth <laughs> as that ball was no. traveling to left center field. <sighs> and it's yeah, always that was windy too at close. that stadium, hey? It's right. O- like, yeah, apparently Buffalo just sucks in the summer for wind. It's just like it's just constant. It's like, huh, like being in Sasky. So that's cool. Um, don't know who they're going to play yet. Looks like Tampa Bay, most likely Tampa Bay. And sounds to me, from what I'm hearing, like Tuesday, like 10, 11 o'clock Calgary time. Something like that. So Okay. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, nice. But we'll find out. We'll find out on, on Sunday. They won't do official till then. I uh, also want to tell you NHL draft coming up October 6th and 7th. We're all over it. Um, we've got the player profiles going on with Matty Rose, so this is cool. He uh, he did his research. He talked to uh, Sam Cosentino and Peter Labardius, and you get kind of a little uh, synopsis on each guy, about, about 45, 50 guys he did, and you'll just find out who, who, who they are and, you know, comparables and that kind of stuff. It's all brought to you by Mammoth Insurance, bringing insurance out of the Ice Age. Find them at mammothinsurance.ca. We'll talk to the one, the only, Eric France. Eric Francis next. It's Eric Francis 
Fridays right here on Hockey Central. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon getting ready for the big show coming up at 1 o'clock and hockey for you tonight at 6 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Looking forward to that and we'll do it again tomorrow night as well from uh, the Hub in Edmonton. Time for Eric Francis Fridays brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Calgary's original infinity destination. Own one and you'll understand. Hyatt Infinity on Luxury Lane. Empower the drive. Uh, Eric, I thought I'd start off with a, a, a texture in its simplicity. It's just such a great text uh, into our uh, inbox earlier today. And essentially just saying, if you're, if you're the Flames GM, what exactly is your priority? What you, know, you can only have one thing at the top of your board of things you must do. If you're Bradshaw Living, what is, uh, what is that one thing that you absolutely have to do? What's the number one priority for you? Uh, great question. And it uh, comes at a good time because I've spent the last week kind of researching a couple pieces that I just wrote. One will be coming out either later today or tomorrow morning. And uh, one that I just published the other day. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'll answer it in short by saying defensemen. And, I, you know, but the long story is this. They've got $17 million to spend. In my estimation, Andrew Mangiapane is going to cost about two seven five, something like that, unless they go longer term, whatever. But two point seven five million a year. Your goalie, who I'm assuming it's going to be Cam Talbot, is going to be you know maybe three fifty or three point five million. And then the rest is just filler, you know, forwards like Ronaldo again, if you want, or Tobias Reader. You could pay two or three guys, you know, the minimum. And then uh, to me. The rest should be spent on, on defensemen. And uh, they've got a glaring hole in that number two spot that used to be occupied by Travis Hamannick. And i got to tell you, there's lots of people who are talking about, you know, who that – could that be Alex Petrangelo? And I absolutely think it could be. Um, do I think it will be? No, because I think the price tag is, is crazy. Eight to $9 million for a defenseman in today's world with a flat cap. I don't think anyone's worth that in today's NHL. But, um, you know, if you could somehow get them, you know, I don't know how you could even talk them down from under $8 million a year, but the Calgary Flames need someone to take over from Mark Giordano's spot moving forward. You need that star defenseman who can anchor your power play. And, uh, you know, Petra- Petrangelo, to me, answers checks all the boxes that they're looking for. The only problem is he checks all the boxes that every team is looking for. <laughs> um, but I-, I tell you, there's a great fit there. Instead of filling it with two guys, uh, fill it with just the one guy and then go cheaper on another defenseman. And I think you'd have one of the best top six defensive crews in the NHL. He's not coming here though, Eric. No, no, I, I know it's, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's fun to, 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 to dream if you're a Flames fan, but I'm just saying that the Calgary Flames are one of the only teams that have the cap space to do it. You know, $17 million is a whole lot more than most teams in the National Hockey League have. And the list of things they have to get done between now and the start of whenever the season is, is very small. You got to sign Mangiapane. You got to get a goalie. And to me, even if you don't get the goalie that you want uh, in Cam Talbot, or or say you've got bigger dreams and you really want to make a big splash, like some people will answer that question by saying goaltending. And and I would argue that you don't need to. I, you know, Calgary Flames have finished. 12th or 13th this year in save percentage, which to me is the most telling stats goaltender-wise. 
And uh, I think their tandem was just fine. Uh, but would I be surprised if they went out and made a big splash and ended up with, with, with a big-name goalie like a Marc-Andre Fleury? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marc-Andre Fleury was here. They tried to get Marc-Andre Fleury in 2017. Um, I still think he's a darn good goalie. Is he, a, is he an elite goalie? No, but he's up there in the top, you know, top one-third of the league. I, I, I don't know. How would you answer the question, Kelly? Like, well, do you it, think defenseman is the yeah, answer? Well, it's interesting because we asked Labardius, and he said, uh, you know, you've got to really shake up your forward core. You said defense. I think it's goaltending. Peter Klein, were you? Were, I think we're running out of positions. What, what's your priority? <laughs> well, I think they need to look for a new mascot, Kelly. Well, I yeah. think that's going to be the. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, to to me, it's it's the forward group as well. When I look at the the failings of this team the last couple of postseasons, I I put most of the responsibility on the the forward position, and I think you you need to address that. Uh, not that the other parts aren't glaring needs as well, but I think when you look at where this team has suffered their toughest defeats and who to put those responsibilities on, I look at the forward group. So I think that's the the spot where you need to to adjust things this offseason. Okay. Um, and Eric, can I just go back a little bit? You talked about, you know, they got $17 million to spend to get to the cap. Are you convinced they are going to spend that or you think there's no oh budget? Of course, no, there's no budget. You got to give this ownership group credit. And I know people criticize them. People like Pinder saying, well, if you're not going to buck up and get the best coach available, then you just then winning is just not your priority, and just admit it. And that is just a way too oversimplified way of looking at that situation. Yes, it costs extra money to go spend big dollars on coaches, and this, this ownership group has never showed a penchant for that. But this group deserves a ton of credit for always spending to the cap, and there's zero chance that they're not spending to the cap this year. Like, that's not even part of the discussion, um, you know, they're going to spend to the cap. You know, they're going to need to spend to the cap. I mean, you think about, I mean, look at Jeff Petrie just signed today for six and change, $6 million plus a year. Uh, who is the guy who signed last week that I was writing about in Minnesota? Jonas Brodin, you know, a very defensive-minded first. You know, this guy signed for, oh, Lord, I can't remember what he signed for, five. It was over five anyway. You know, so a second-line defenseman now is getting a minimum $5 million a year in the NHL. That's just the bottom line. So spend your money on Mangiapane. Spend your money on your goalie. That leaves you with about $9 million left, and they need at least two defensemen, or at least one big one, if you ask me. Go spend $9 million on Petrangelo if you want. Buyer beware. Or, you know, get two guys at roughly $9 million. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to take for them to round out this roster. Like, and, you know, I want to go back to what we said earlier. What's their priority? Yeah. I'm kind of assuming that this general manager doesn't see it the way I see it, which is you've got to get rid of Johnny Gaudreau. Like, you, you know, and, and we're not going to go back and revisit that conversation because that's old. And I've, I know I've been I'm blue in the face kind of talking to people about how he's a passenger on a team that needs more drivers. Um, but assuming this guy doesn't want to go out and make that sort of change, then yes, it's all about what are you going to spend in free agency. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's defenseman. And I spoke to Brad Trilliving about it yesterday. And, you know, he, he says, hey, hey, wait a sec. Like, free agency, that's, as we all know, that's where you make your biggest mistakes with unrestricted free agents. And the, the price tags are high because you're bidding with 30 other teams. And, you know, he's, 
I wouldn't put it past him to sit there and, and, and make trades to address yeah. some of these things that, that we're talking thing about. I was going to ask you because there's, there's yeah. different ways to kind of fix things. Uh, free agency is always tough because it's super expensive and mm-hmm. Calgary, let's face it, isn't, you know, it's not Vegas or New York or Los Angeles. It just isn't when it comes to guys who can pick wherever they want to go. That's just the way it is. Um, and then the trade route, sometimes there, there are going to be teams that aren't going to spend to the cap and are going to have some problems that are going to have to jettison some guys. And that's where, you know, you just rev up your, your cell phone and make as many calls as you can, right? I mean, that, that will be interesting to see if, if, if it's a big trade that shakes things up or big signing, Eric. If you put your money on, on either one, what do you think it's going to be? Yeah. Or neither. Or do they trade their first-round pick or something? I'll put it this way. This general manager is not going to let this offseason go without making a big splash. That's, I guess, how I'll answer that question. Whether it's signing the guy that no one thinks is possible and Alex Petrangelo or Tory Krug, um, or maybe it's acquiring Jakob Markstrom. Like, that wouldn't shock me. I, I've said this all year long. I wouldn't be shocked if the Calgary Flames ended up with a guy like Jakob Markstrom. Um, those would be massive shakeups. Those, those would have the hockey world going, whoa. Didn't see that coming. And, and, and in the same vein, this guy, you know, cheerleading's never been scared to, to roll the dice on trades. Uh, he's a proficient trader. He, does, he hasn't won them all, but he's won a, 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 more than he's lost. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all if he saw it the way I see it, which is Johnny Gaudreau's got to go at some point soon. Might as well be right now. Um, and so, no, it wouldn't surprise. I, I would be stunned if this offseason went without a major um, – a major set of acquisitions, period. Okay. Well, the, you did an article, I think, earlier this week about, you know, potential goaltenders the Flames were, uh, you know, could perhaps go chase down. What, you know, for the folks that didn't read that, what, what is your, what, what's your gut telling you? What are you, you know, researching that, that might be reasonable? I, I, I think they go with the same two guys. I think you just re-sign Cam Talbot and say, you know what, goaltending really wasn't your problem last year. Uh, you got some other things to, to do, including forwards and defensemen. But do you see it differently? No, no, I don't. I don't see it differently. And you know, everyone always wants to see if the grass is greener on the other side and get somebody else in here, like Kudobin or Darcy Kemper, which I think would be a Darcy Kemper if he really is available in Arizona because they have to clear cap space. Um, they need to be in on those sweepstakes. That's four point five million dollars a year for him for the next two years. And I would argue he's a Vezna. He should have won the Vezna this year. If he, if he was healthy, he would have won the Vezna and should have. Um, and I'm, I, you know, so I, I think Darcy Kemper would top my list. Uh, but I think that I think the tandem is just fine right now. I guess you could sit here and debate whether or not you think, you know, the shine has come off of uh, David Riddick, which I think would be unfair. Yeah, obviously that one playoff game, you can't put anything on him there. Um, but just the fact that he didn't finish the season well for the third season in a row, um, you know, I, I still think it's too early to give up on him. So to me, it's who are you just going to bring in as your 1A, not your 1B. That's what I think is different. I think this year, whoever you bring in is going to be your 1A. And, and Cam Talbot kind of hinted at that saying, you know, he'd love to come back, but he, he'd have to get some assurances. And, you know, when we kind of pressed him on that, he's like, well, I, I want to, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was just a caddy. Next year, I'm not going to be a caddy sort of thing. So, Jakob Markstrom uh, would be near the top of my list too, but, you know, I don't know if it's too expensive. Robin Leonard, 
is going to Vegas. I think we're all pretty convinced of that. Kudobin, I wouldn't touch that guy at all. When people talk about signing Hudobin, I just say, remember the Hamburglar. And, and don't get me wrong, Hudobin's 34 years old and has seen a lot of hockey and his two years in a row has had one of the best goals against average in the league. But, you know, just because you had an incredible playoff doesn't mean you got to get the money thrown at you. So I wouldn't touch him. But uh, there, there are a lot of different possibilities. Kemper, and the last one I'll throw out there is, is Marc-Andre Fleury. He's going to get traded. There's no doubt about it. They're going to eat half his salary. So you're going to get a guy like that for $3.5 million a year. I think whoever gets him is going to be very, very happy they did. And what a great mentor he'd be for David Riddick. Hmm. Well, we'll start to see, you know, as the draft gets closer and free agency on October 9th gets closer. Uh, we're going to have to shut her down here because we're over time. We appreciate you taking. What are you writing uh, next? What's, what's the plan? Well, I got an article coming out either today or tomorrow. Uh, I just sent in on... Um, you know, on, on the, the, the handful of guys that they'd be, that would be really good fits on their blue line. You know, what are you going to do with your blue line? Uh, you know, I, de- I deal with Petrangelo. I deal with Brody, Gustafson. I think these are all very legitimate possibilities. And a couple other long shots. And we even have a little bit of fun looking at maybe Dustin Bufflin. Uh, would, you know, you'd have to be convinced, though, that his heart was back in it. But, you know, you'd be rolling the dice big time. But, boy, does he bring some of those intangibles this team has been dying for for the last bunch of years, which is, you know, uh, character, uh, you know, offense, uh, size. Uh, Scary, yeah. There. Yeah, anyway. Nice people. Yeah. There, there's a lot of possibilities. The, the list of guys that they could sign on defense is long, and I'll be fascinated to see who they sign because they've definitely got to sign at least one or two. Okay. Well, we'll uh, re- that's up today or tomorrow, you say? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sportsnet.ca. Eric, thanks a lot. We will uh, we'll get to hear from you on Monday. Sounds good. Cheers, boys. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tonight. There we go. Uh, Eric Francis Friday is brought to you by Hyatt Infinity, Calgary's original infinity destination. Own one, and you'll understand. Hyatt Infinity on Luxury Lane. Empower the drive. We've been uh, talking about it all week long, and the anticipation has got to boiling level, to be honest with you. We're going to find out what the spiciest moment of the week is. Peter Klein unveils it next right here on Hockey Central. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. The lunch hour all about hockey right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. Big show coming up after 1 o'clock. Pat Steinberg, Will Nault join after 2. And hockey on the radio and online tonight. As we'll go to Edmonton and find out what happens. Does Tampa Bay take that stranglehold, or do we have a tied series? Six o'clock, we'll go to Edmonton for the uh, Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup playoffs right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We've been doing this for a couple of weeks, the spiciest moment of the week. It's uh, brought to you by our great partners at Bacardi. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice. Made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. Peter, you've uh, you've had a few, uh, you know, perhaps maybes, and you had to filter it down, but there can only be one spiciest moment of the week. It's not momentsa, it's moment. And what have you no. chosen? Yeah, there's no participation ribbons no. when you get to the spiciest moment of the week. It can only be one. Uh, and this week we are going with Gary Bettman. It's not often in sports where we just don't know what the schedule is going to be. Everything is laid out a year, a couple years in advance. And once this Stanley Cup final is done, potentially on Saturday, we got the draft, we got free agency, and then 
shrug emoji. We don't know what's going to happen next. So um, spicy times in the NHL and Gary Bettman shining some light on why it's so difficult to predict when next season is going to be. We put in December 1st as a notional date. Um, I don't expect it to be December 1st. It's probably going to be later, you know, late December, January. We need to, first of all, finish this season and finish the Stanley Cup final, take a deep breath. We have the draft coming up, and then we've got to take stock of what the world's going to look like. And to answer your question is tell me what COVID-19 is going to be like and where. Where's going to be spiking? Where's going to be safe? Tell me what the Canadian-U.S. border is going to be like. Are we going to be able to transverse it and uh, do it without quarantining? Um, and so there's a lot. We Are we going to be able to have fans in our building? And that's not a decision we're going to make. Governmental authorities at all levels are going to make that for us. So there's a lot we don't know. But much like the decision we made to go to Toronto and Edmonton, if you remember, we announced the return to play, and I made those decisions at the last second. And some people were a little critical of that. And I didn't want to make the decisions until I had as much information as possible to know that we were making the best choices. And based on the way Canada and particularly Ontario and Alberta have addressed uh, COVID-19, these were really the safest places perhaps in all of North America for us to go. The one thing I can say with certainty, we have no expectation that the players are going to be locked in a bubble for six months away from their families and friends. That, right. That's just not realistic. Doing it for the playoffs was one thing, and I'm grateful and admire their willingness to do it. But, but at the end of the day, whatever we do can't be that because it, it just doesn't work. There we go. That's good stuff from, from Gary Bettman. You know, Say for the uh, way he pronounced our province, but you know, that's just. <laughs> am, I, am I being picky there? No, no. Anyway, no, that's okay. No, that was um, definitely cringy. You know what, guys? If we if we took you know because Peter Klein was so good on the man on the street interviews we did a few years ago uh, oh, when we God. tried to <laughs> you tried to give away gas cards, but let's say we did that and we just have you you know get out of your bubble and put a mask on you and ask one hundred. Hockey fans in Calgary, when they think the season is going to start, I bet you we have answers everywhere. So I'll ask it to you guys. I you have you have to put money on this, Peter Klein. When is Game One of the regular season for the Calgary Flames for the twenty twenty one season? Uh, I believe game one for the Calgary Flames will be January 2nd. I think January 1st, they will have uh, a grand opening day and the Flames will be on the second day of the regular season. So I'm, I'm going to say January 2nd, 2021 for the Calgary Flames. Okay. Uh, Logan? Mm, Feb 1st. Feb 1st. Ooh, so all the way into later. Feb. Okay. I think they want fans. I say March 15th. Wow. Yeah. And they can do it. They can I'll lose my mind. They will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll be fine. Like, we can cover. It's been great. Remember? Remember? Remember the 22 May, redrafts that me and Pinder and Pat did? Yeah, I do remember those. <laughs> yeah, we're going to redo every trade deadline uh, coming oh, up in the next season. The, the chocolate bar uh, bracket? You know. Right. <laughs> 
See if people's opinions on cha- have changed on five cent candies in the last few months. And it is hard to predict, and I get that. And I want everybody wants things to get back to normal, but man, I just from what I hear, most if not all the NHL teams need people in the seats, and they need to buy tickets. And I just don't know when that is going to be safe, and be when people will actually do that, and be okay with it. So that's why I say uh, mid March. I hope wow. right. I am wrong. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope it's January 2nd, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But there, that's the spiciest moment of the week.